Thank you for listening to this episode of Cliffs and Fences. In this episode, I sit down with Dr. Chris Rayner, orthopedic surgeon from Ottawa, Canada. We sit to discuss chiropractic care, what are its risks, benefits, and how can it be integrated into healthcare delivery. If you like this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Cliffs and Fences on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for clips after the show. Alrighty, uh, joining me now on the Cliffs and Fences podcast is Dr. Chris Rayner. Chris Rayner is a orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine physician based in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, he's the founder and co-owner of Human 2.0, 2.0, where he and his team aim to build better humans through medicine, physiotherapy, group fitness, and personal training. Uh, Dr. Rayner can be found on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube, where he has accumulated over 12 million views. Dr. Rayner, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. No worries. Thank, thank you very much for inviting me to be a part of this. I look forward to the conversation. Great. Um, so I, I reached out to Dr. Rayner uh, because I, I thought his videos uh, on chiropractic care were really interesting. Um, there's not too many... Uh, people in that space unless you're looking to watch like the you know I don't know how it got so popular all of a sudden but there's just like these compilations of people getting their neck cracked um then I then it led me to something called a ring dinger uh where some person was getting their head almost ripped off and then that led me to Dr. Rayner where he uh as an orthopedic surgeon uh you know gives his his two cents um and reaction to those so uh, right when, right when you're done listening to this episode definitely go check him out on youtube i i highly suggest his videos they're educational and they're fun uh and so it's it's a it's you kill two birds with one stone in that uh, but dr rayner tell me how you yourself how did you how what was your first exposure like to chiropractic care was it while you were practicing or was this was this before uh you were practicing medicine uh, yeah, no, this was, uh, so a lot of people don't know this, uh, but um, I, I was exposed to chiropractic uh, care long before I was involved with medicine. Uh, and I was um, uh, seeing a chiropractor as a patient. Okay. Uh, and so uh, when I was in high school, uh, I was a competitive athlete. I played a number of sports. Uh, one of the sports that I did was her, uh, I ran track and I was a hurdler. And um, I developed some low back pain after, um, you know, uh, doing that for a while. And I really didn't know how to treat it. My family doctor didn't really have uh, much, much information on how to do that. And so I, I, at the time, what I, my understanding was, well, if you have back pain, you go to see a chiropractor. So um, I went to see the chiropractor for quite some time. Uh, to receive um, spinal manipulations to treat my back pain, and um, yeah, so that so that was really my first experience with it. After that, uh, that continued for some time while I was a track uh, athlete, and um, you know I didn't really have a, a exposure to it again after that until I had entered into the medical uh, medical field as a, a medical trainee. And I assume that, you know, once you got into your medical training, you did a little bit of digging uh, because you, you've covered in some of your videos some of the history behind chiropractic care, where it gets its roots. Um, could you break down uh, your initial discovery of how chiropractic care came to be? 
Hmm. So, um, you know, uh, I hadn't really looked into that until I actually started making content uh, for, for the internet. So um, I, I knew chiropractic therapy was a thing. Obviously I had been treated as a patient, but when I started to look into it and do research for, for uh, my videos, then I started to discover a little bit more of the natural or a little bit more of the history of, of chiropractic therapy. And although there have been, um, well, although there has been reported to have been um you know, medical, medical or quasi medical uh, persons that practice some form of back manipulation or whatever, like, way like, maybe a 1000 years ago, apparently, um, the actual history of chiropractic medicine as a established medical uh, or paramedical uh, form of therapy um, only dates back about 100 and 120 years. Um, and to uh, a guy named, uh, I think his name is Joseph Palmer. And uh, he's the father of modern chiropractic therapy. And uh, he was not medically trained. And he basically, um, basically, he had a spirit, apparently, who's a, a a long dead physician speak to him in his dreams and tell him about how to manipulate people's spines to treat their illness. And that's the, the, the foundation. That's the basis of modern chiropractic therapy. Yeah. And I, I don't know actually, and, and this, this episode will hopefully be a two-part episode. The next episode I'm hoping on hoping to bring back, uh, bring a chiropractor on, uh, but I haven't heard, um, I don't know if it's because they shy away from the conversation or they just, you know, it, they're sort of neutral on its upbringing. Um, but yeah, the, the Palmer was that sort of uh, an initial chiropractic physician and lots of weird things when you go and read into it. Um, I wonder, though, as a physician, you're, you're probably privy to some of the early medical treatments, right? If we go back hundreds of years, uh, you know, you'll hear things about, uh, you know, using heroin to treat colds or whatever it was, or leech therapy and things like that. You know, some might, some might argue that, you know, medicine's roots are sort of a little wacky as well. Um, yes. Is that any different? Is that um, a cause to worry about uh, medical practice? So, um I don't think that it is any different, to be honest. Uh, and I don't think, um, and I think people who um, want to uh, look at medicine in the same light have every right to do so. Uh, I have on, you know, I do a number of different things and I, and I create a number of different types of content. But one of the things that I do is a podcast uh, or podcast type of interviews like this. And I've interviewed a number of chiropractors, uh, especially after my ring dinger and other chiropractic videos, because people have reached out to me in the comments. And, and one of the things that they will argue with me is that exact point. And I, and I say, fair, fair point. No problems with that. The distinguishing characteristic is this. Um, both of these forms of care have started out with potentially dubious uh, origins. Um, but the difference is that medicine now has graduated. It has matured into a field where um, we have 
certain standards of, of um, research and certain standards of proof so that if you want to say something in medicine, you can say whatever it is that you want to say, but you need to have a research study that demonstrates the veracity or the proof of what you are saying so that if I, Chris Rayner, say that thing, you, Jared Ormsby, can now take what I said and, and a thousand miles away, you can reproduce the experiment that I did and get the same results and know, yes, I'm not talking out my ass. This is real, right? And this is not just medicine. This, these, are, these are fundamental science um, techniques, right? Whether you're talking medicine, you're talking physics, you're talking chemistry, whatever. Anybody can say whatever they want, right? No problem. Um, if you want people to believe it, if you want it to be the truth, then you need to be able to design an experiment that somebody around the world who has no association, no ties to you, no whatever, can pick up that experiment. They can reproduce it wherever they are and they can get the same result, right? And so medicine, we have matured to an extent where this is the case, right? And chiropractic um, care is not yet at that point. And it's funny because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this to people and they'll go, oh, there's lots of re research evidence. There's lots of research evidence. And I am by no means a statistician and I, I am not a research orthopedic uh, surgeon. So, you know, my understanding of, uh, of statistics is not to the same level as somebody such as Moet Bondari, who, which is, who is like Canada's preeminent orthopedic researcher. It's not to that same level. Mm -hmm. But I know enough to know that there are different levels of evidence, right? And so level one evidence a, uh, you know, a large center, um, high number meta-analysis of meta-analyses, that's like the gold standard, okay? Um, and you need to have at least, so that's level one ev evidence, you need to have at least level three evidence, which means that you have a control, right? You need to have a positive and a negative control, Um you need to have at least level three evidence. And so when people talk about, oh, there's all this evidence, and then you look at the chiropractic literature and it's like cohort studies and it's this and that. It's like, come on, that is, it's better than nothing, but it's not real. Um, it's not what we would say in medicine is real clinical evidence. You, you know what I mean? And, and so you need to have sufficient numbers. Your, your um, study needs to be sufficiently powered. It needs to have controls. Uh, and, you know, it, it needs all of these things in order to um, know that the results have been appropriately vetted. And not only that, it needs to be peer reviewed so that People look at it and they go, oh, you actually set this study up properly. You know, you, you, you didn't um, approach it with your, whatever your innate biases were, um, and, and you didn't uh, misinterpret the results that you got. Like, you need all of these things. And um, I don't think that chiropractic care therapy as a whole has, has done that homework and has done that has gone through that period of maturation. Uh, and, and yes, they're starting to do more, but 
until then, you, you, uh, I don't think that they can claim the things that they claim. And, and I don't think that they can speak with the confidence that many of them do about what it is that chiropractic care does or does not do. Right. And uh, I don't want to get out of the scope of the conversation too much, but I, I, my curiosity is, is sort of uh, gnawing at me is, is that is a study like that even possible with chiropractic care? Uh, you know, what was going through my mind as you were speaking is, uh, you know, is, is the different types of standards, uh, the different types of quality of evidence uh, in scientific research. Uh, and that involves one, one other factor is, is blinding, right? You know, if you can if you can blind uh, who is receiving which treatments, um, then you can therefore, you know, draw, this is a super, you know, dumbed down conclusion uh, or uh, explanation is, is you can draw a conclusion, right? If, if, if there's a, any difference there. Um, however, chiropractic care, that's not necessarily something you could blind. I mean, either you're receiving the treatment or you're not, uh, the, the patient would know. So uh, that high quality evidence, is that achievable for, for chiropractic, uh, uh, the chiropractic community? So again, this is another argument. And I, I think no doubt this is something that is very difficult because it is a manual therapy, right? And I, and I think um, you will be, I think that there will always be some difficulty in achieving this because of that. But I think that in order to, to get as close to that as possible, we need to think a little bit outside the box. And, and that just the same way as uh, so say, for example, with arthroscopy, they looked at um, if you did a meniscectomy versus whether you did sham orthopedic surgery and, and for sham orthopedic surgery, they just poked people's skin. So they made a small incision. They didn't do anything. Right. You can't exactly do the same thing here. But, you know, when I try, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. But when I do think about it, I think, well, you know, you could potentially um, like a patient does not know what is a, what is a real manipulation and what is not, and what is not a real manipulation, right? So yes, they, they can't be blinded to, um, whether someone has done something or not, um, in terms of putting their hands on them, but they can be blinded to, well, well, what, what did, what did they do? How did they manipulate me? It, it's like you, I, I look at, I look at uh, some of these videos and I watch these chiropractors. I'm like, I don't know what move that is. And then chiropractors come on in the comments. Well, obviously that's a high velocity, low amplitude uh, manipulation. And it's for, I'm like, shut up, man. You can... Anyway, but my point is that um, most people are not going to know. So um, you, yeah, you, you wouldn't be able to say, yes, I, I was manipulated versus not manipulated, but you can blind people to what type of manipulation uh, they are receiving. So, um, and you could just have somebody put their hands on them in a random ma in random manner, not do anything, uh, and then um, have people do a specific manipulation. Uh, and so that would be, uh, it wouldn't be blinded, but at least you get the randomization. So, um, but it is, definitely challenging. And, you know, I'm not, not going to say that, um, I don't know that it is 100% even possible, but, um, I'm not a chiropractor and that's not for me to prove it, it, The onus, like the onus is on a chiropractor. If you're going to say what you're going to say, 
then back it up. Prove it. Right. Sure. That that's and that's the point of my videos. My point the point of my videos is that um, I don't think people can I don't think chiropractors can say what what they do without the proof. And um, when you look at chiropractic versus physical therapy or chiropractic versus exercise uh, alone, um, chiro- they say they tell me what what chiropractors say is that oh it, this is it's it's good it, 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 and it's better than doing nothing. Yes, it's better than doing nothing, but it's no better than physical therapy and it's no better than exercise. So which means that basically you could do the exercise, you could do the physiotherapy, not do the chiropractic therapy, and you could end up in the same place. So what's the benefit? You know, sure. I, I don't sure. want to throw sure. all chiropractors on the bus. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm not going to say what they're doing is useless. I do think that there is a use, um, but I just think uh, it's not necessarily what they think it is. Sure. Some of the some of the claims are, are a little bit far stretched. And a lot of these claims have to do with the and I wrote this down just to make sure I got it right was the uh, spinal subluxation. Um, what are your thoughts as an orthopedic surgeon? I mean, I just went through uh, I I wanted to do the quickest search possible. So if I was someone that was interested in, you know, maybe treating my lower back pain, and seeing a chiropractor, what would be sort of the first thing I saw if I were to Google it? Um, here's are some of the things that I found that a website claimed a subluxation can cause. Uh, give me your thoughts on this. Uh, blurred vision, urinary urinary tract issues, nausea, uh, allergy issues, uh, and obviously back pain. Your thoughts? I think that is pure rubbish. All of it. Uh, like for, so. Uh, first of all, there is no. Um, it's funny because chiropractic. A lot of when I talk about chiropractic therapy, a lot of chiropractors say how, um, you know, they have, they receive, chiropractors receive the same um, undergraduate training that do, then that physicians do. And we take some of the similar courses. And um, yeah, some of the first year courses might probably be the same, but I will say this, there is no course that I ever took uh, at any level. uh, And I've done, 12 years of post-secondary training before I did orthopedics. There's no course that I've ever taken at any level that ever showed me an association between subluxation of the spine and any of those disorders. So that's number one. Number two, um, the chiropractor, there's a, uh, the name of it escapes me right now, um, but it is a chiropractic, um, it's a union of chiropractic colleges uh, in, uh, in Europe. And there are 10 or 10 chiropractic, um, programs that are a part of this union. And they have, uh, made an official statement as have other chiropractic organizations now that subluxation is, is basically like it's baloney. It it doesn't exist. That, that theory is outdated and they refer to it in their in their training program as a historical concept only, right? The actual idea that spinal vertebrae can sublux and move out of place with respect to one another and then impinge upon the, the spinal nerves and, and cause these problems, that that is, is a garbage theory and it does not exist. And I when I hear chiropractors talk about that, it is clear to me then that they have never been um, in a cadaver lab and looked at the spine and that they've never 
been in an operating room and seen how the spine is manipulated. Because if they had ever done any of those, either of those two things, they would know that what they're talking about is utter bullshit. It just, it, it's, it's not possible. When you look at the, um, when you think about the role of the spine, uh, and it's and it's basically the thing upon which all the rest of your body hangs, right? Um, you, you've got your your um, shoulder girdle, and you have your pelvis, and um, the shoulder girdle is supported on the spine, and the weight of your head, neck, and trunk. So, like eighty percent of your body mass is is supported on this thing. You you recognize how strong and robust it has to be, and because it has um, 12 thoracic segments, seven um, uh, cervical segments. You, you, you recognize that um, you have to um, have very tight control between each of those segments because otherwise, like the whole thing is floppy and you fall over, right? And, and we don't see this. Uh, all the time we're like you know we're not walking around like 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 water balloons or beanbags so um you recognize that the um, relationship between each spinal vertebrae or each spinal segment has to be maintained very rigidly and but at the same time there has to be some movement so that when you look at the spinal ligaments that that run up and down the spine in between spinal vertebrae, you see that these are very, very stout and robust ligaments. And they don't, you can't just move them like that. And, and even more so to the point, um, and I've recounted this story in one of my, um, one of my videos, I spent in, during my, I, I did six years of orthopedic training. I've spent, um, more than a year on the spine service during that time. And we have done spinal manipulations for uh, scoliosis, for fractures, for whatever. And I recall uh, a time uh, when we were fixing a scoliosis in a, in a patient who had a bad scoliosis. And I am six foot two. And at the time I was 215. And uh, my Preceptor was also a large man who was about 6'2 and 230. And we put pedicle screws directly into the spinal vertebrae. So the whole spine is opened up. We put those screws. So this is a direct connection to the vertebrae. And then we are trying to straighten out the spine. And the way that we do that, once we put in these, these pedicle screws, we would put a rod um, into the screws and then we would use levers. So he would pull one way, I pull the other way. And uh, come on, man, when you have two grown men pulling and yanking the spine in opposite directions, and we are struggling to get this thing straight and we are directly connected to the spine using a long lever, there is no way in hell that somebody's gonna come to your back and go and, and move these vertebrae with respect to one another. It's just not gonna happen. So um, yeah, I just think that the whole subluxation theory is ridiculous. Um, it, it just biomechanically, physiologically, it, it doesn't make any sense. And um, people who keep clinging to that, like I just think you're, you're deluding yourself. Right. So, and, and, and as I said, 
I'm not going to say that chiropractic care, chiropractic therapy is useless because I don't, I don't think it is. I think it has some, some benefit, but um, spinal, the correction of spinal manipulations, that's not it. Sure. And I definitely want to, I want to hop into those benefits and, and how we could possibly inter, integrate chiropractic care in traditional medicine. Uh, I've seen it in some examples here, um, but let's first, let's talk about the risks. Uh, I want to say you covered at least one of these, if not both of these, but uh, the other one might have been another, uh, I know there's another surgeon that, that does the same sort of reaction videos, um, but one was a, a patient that was put under, under anesthetics. Uh, and he was his, yeah, his, his had his neck manipulated. Um, I, I mean, for me, at least on initial, uh, you know, watching that seemed a little bit unethical to me. Um, obviously I, I'm not an ethicist, but I mean, I would say that that's unethical. And then I also, uh, watched, uh, manipulation of, I don't want to say a newborn. It could have been a couple months old. Um, and then what's like the risk for, for someone that is sort of healthy, just trying to go, you know, get their lower back pain fixed. Uh, your comments on 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 any of those? Okay, so let me tackle number three first. So for the average person who's going to a chiropractor and they're going to have their back manipulated for low back pain, um, the risk is relatively low. Um, and 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 let me preface this by saying, for most things um, that a chiropractor will treat, the risk is relatively low. Um, and, and that is because, um, you're, you know, they're, they're not really dealing with serious medical or serious orthopedic, serious skeletal problems, right? They're, they're dealing with mechanical back pain, which generally is back pain that is not, that does not have a neurologic basis or does not have a strong structural deficit of some sort. So because of that, it's relatively safe. And as organisms, the humans, we're relatively robust. So, um, you know, someone moving their spine, although I don't think it's necessarily the healthiest thing, I don't think for the most part, it's going to cause a problem. So that's um, in general, it's low risk and chiropractic people, chiropractic practitioners and their fans always talk about the relative risks, how medical care is so much more um, risky than is chiropractic care. So yes, it's relatively low risk. Um, and again, we can talk later about whether it does much for you or what it does, but it's low risk. So that's good. Now, um, example number one, uh, so that I did the video on, uh, I did both of those videos actually. Um, so the first one was on chiropractic uh, manipulations under anesthesia. Um, so, um, is it ethical? Well, as long as they have informed the, the patient of the potential risks and complications, um, and the patient has, has, uh, signed an informed consent, then there is the ethical concern I think is, 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 is less. Um, but I, I do have some concerns, as I mentioned in that video, and that is that, um, first of all, I'm not a fan of manipulations of the neck period. Um, I, I think that that's, that's generally not a, a good idea. Um, and, but at least when you are awake, there is some ability for you to, um, resist, um, or have some muscular tone that might protect you, uh, otherwise protect you against 
um, some kind of injury. Or in other words, like, you know, if somebody's going to rotate your neck and say, for example, your particular uh, range of motion is 60 degrees of, of rotation, uh, right rotation, lateral rotation, e either direction. Um, when you approach the, the end range of motion, your natural response will be to tense up a little bit to protect yourself so that you don't go beyond that, right? Um, the moment that you've put someone to sleep, you've removed all of that, right? Um, and I often say to people, when I'm performing surgery, you know, when you are asleep, I can fold you into whatever position I want, uh, pretty much, right? Um, because there is no, well, depending on how deep your sedation is, there is little to no protective response. So I think that um, it, I have a concern because there is no ability to protect um, themselves. In addition, um, if you were awake, you might get to a, a range of motion, which may not be your end range of motion, but you might get to a point where there is pain elicited or pain elicited. If you were awake, you would be able to say, bro, hold on, ouch, that hurts, right? The moment that you are no longer awake, you do not have the ability to do that, right? And so that is, is uh, concerning for me. And the, the third issue with those um, cervical manipulations when asleep, um, as I said, I don't think that the, uh, I don't think that um, cervical manipulations are a good idea, but when I watched um, some of these manipulations, uh, when they were com combining, like obviously our, our cervical spine, it can bend, forward, flex and extend, it can rotate, and then you can combine some of those ranges of motion, right? But I can combine those ranges of motion under my own control, and I'm not gonna go past the extent to which um, my cervical spine is accustomed. I'm, I, I'm not gonna do that to myself because the pain is gonna stop me um, and, I, and I won't do it. Um, when you've removed the restraints now and you're combining those ranges of motions, you could potentially put someone into a position where um, you may not uh, cause a, a, uh, an injury to the spinal nerve or to the spine itself, but you could easily um, you know, cause something like a facet, a unilateral facet dislocation or a bilateral facet dislocation. Um, and that's not the kind of thing that necessarily will make you, uh, you, you won't necessarily know that right of right away. Potentially you, it could just feel like you had something cricked in your neck or whatever. Uh, I remember a, a patient that, that came to us that we ended up operating on, who was a firefighter, a young guy who was working on uh, the roof at his cottage. Um, and it was a single story cottage fell off the roof onto the ground in front of his cottage and it was sandy ground and he fell onto his head. And this dude had a little bit of neck pain. Something wasn't quite right. Knew that he had a little bit of neck pain. So he drove from his cottage, which was two and a half hours away from, from Ottawa and checking his freaking blind spots as he's driving, okay? And um, when this guy came in, 
to the hospital because the neck pain just wasn't getting any better. So he thought he'd come in and he just walked in. And this guy had bilateral perched facet dislocation where like, you know, if you sneezed, if I sneezed, his head would basically fall forward off and, and be um, significantly dislocated and cause like instant paralysis, right? Um, and this guy just walked in, you know? And, and so if that, if things like that can happen, you can set somebody up with a situation where um, you can manipulate them. They would not necessarily know that there's a problem, but because they had no protective reflex, you were able to put, you know, create a condition like that. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of that. So that's um, example number one. And, and then finally, example number two with the babies, for all of the same reasons that I just said with um, the first example, it's a bad idea. But also uh, with, with babies, their spine, so as our bones develop, uh, the spines of infants are more are, are largely cartilaginous, right? So you and I, we have our, our, our vertebrae, which are now, we're fully grown, the growth plates have fused, and it's all bone, okay? We have intervertebral discs in between, but the vertebrae themselves, all bone. Mm -hmm. Young kids, their spine is still growing, so the bone is kind of a mixture of bone and cartilage, which is much less robust than is the bone and much more easily injured. So it's just more dangerous. And not to mention, what kind of stress, physical stress, is an infant going to have that would require them to be manipulated? Like, I just want to like choke some of these people when, when, like, I just think this is absolutely bonkers that you would think you, you, a child who's all he does is lay on in bed all day long. That person needs to be manipulated. I just think that's crazy. And not to mention, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just on a rant here. Oh, you're good. Not you're to, good. Not to mention um, the fact that, you know, the human organism, we have evolved over millions of years. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, you'd have chiropractors say, oh, well, you know, we need to do chiropractic therapy for maintenance and, and to, to put the all these um, subluxations or, or malpositions back into place, yada, yada, yada thing. So you mean to tell me that the missing link to human evolution has been that we were not, we didn't have chiropractors a million years ago? Like we, we this whole time, that was the thing that was that was stopping our evolution. Like that we've managed this guy who had a who spoke to a spirit in a seance. He managed to discover the the link that a million years of evolution like couldn't figure out. Oh, come on, man! Like it's just I just think it's absolute rubbish. Yeah, I you know when you're talking about the newborns especially i have a little 3 month old and um this isn't an attack on parents that do take their kids to chiropractic care but um even if it was low risk i mean what uh, what's the benefit of it if it, you know they don't need it they're not in in any in uh under any stress uh and so i just 
I sort of cringe when I watch those videos knowing like I have a baby at home and it's just uh, a little bit uncomfortable. But let's 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 uh, well, let's hop well, in. Let, let me just yeah, add go. on one. Well, let me add sure. on one other, which I forgot to mention before. You just touched on. Yes, overall low risk, but especially where the neck is concerned, it's low risk. But the complication that does that can occur, although low risk, like the incidence of it is quite low. The potential for catas for catastrophe with that, if you had a vertebral artery dissection and you had a stroke, right? It's not, oh, there's it's low risk and it's a minor complication. It's low risk and major life-changing complication that could potentially lead to death. And so if from my point of view, if studies show that it's no better than physical therapy, no better than exercise, and even though it's low risk, but the 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 complication is catastrophic, like why wouldn't why wouldn't you do something that doesn't have that kind of like hugely steep downside? That just does to me that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, uh, a lot of whether it be medicine, public health, or anything like that, it it is about trade offs and uh, what risks you're willing to take. And uh, like you point out, I don't know how many people are actually once they're aware of that risk are willing to take that. Um, let's let's hop into the benefits. You mentioned a couple of times that you um, aren't uh, completely. Uh, against the idea of chiropractic care being integrated into um, the the care of a patient, what benefits do you see? What benefits have you seen? Uh, uh, you know, as a clinician, have any of your patients uh, gone to a chiropractor and you've seen improvements? Uh, uh, what 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 thoughts do you have on that? Um, so yeah, a fair percentage of my patients um, that I treat for, you know, musculoskeletal problems of the shoulders, knees, hips, whatever, um, go to chiropractors for their back. Um, and you know, I, I, despite what I say in my videos, in my clinical practice, I don't go and smash chiropractors because, um, you know, I, I just think that, uh, I I'm going to, provide them with the professional courtesy not to do that. And um, also, I just think my the, the College of Physicians and Surgeons might not like it. So um, in my own personal clinical setting, um, if they want to go to the chiropractors, so be it, whatever. Um, but with respect to uh, what value I think they do have. So first of all, I think that uh, chiropractic care is uh, has some benefit in the treatment of acute mechanical back pain. And um, the context in which I think it's valuable is for a patient who um, has a, a, an initial onset of back pain and they are having difficulty getting out of that initial, uh, initial phase of spasm, okay? If you, uh, studies show that it, like 95% of adults are gonna have at least one episode of mechanical back pain, which lasts uh, up to six weeks in their lifetime, at least one, okay? And um, that mechanical back pain usually result, will resolve, if you did nothing at all, it would resolve in four to six weeks. But that, that could mean a couple of weeks of pain, right? And if you do exercise, if you do McKenzie, um, um, McKenzie exercises, um, if you do physical therapy, you can expedite the resolution of that back pain. Um, but some people, 
because of either the degree of spasm, the degree of pain, their own temperament, their own relationship with pain, any number of reasons. Some people are not able to get themselves where they can move, start the movements to break the cycle of spasm, and then um, start that uh, process of resolving the back pain. Some people just can't do that on their own. And so for those people, I think that going to a chiropractor um, to have some hands-on therapy will help to do that. But to be clear, I don't think it's the manipulation that's helping them. I think that I, I always joke when I'm talking with fellow orthopedic guys, I, I just call chiropractors glorified stretchers because um, that's what I think that they're doing, right? And I don't think the manipulation does anything. I think that they're helping um, people to move um, muscle groups that um, they are otherwise precluded from moving because of the discomfort that's associated with the muscle spasm that's present. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, for those people who are stuck, getting someone to manipulate them helps them to move into a position that they are otherwise too afraid or too in pain to achieve, right? And once they are in that position, they now see, so you get the reassurance, right? Before it's like, oh my God, I can't move there, I can't move there, I can't move there. Someone moves you there, oh, I moved there. I'm still alive. I, my back didn't blow up, I didn't die, right? So then they go, oh, I can do that. And then they can start moving, right? So um, I think they're good for reassurance. I think they're good for that acute phase. Um, and uh, to, get, to get people who otherwise couldn't be moving, moving, right? So I think that, that that's their primary um, use, but, Having said that, uh, I do know of some uh, chiropractors uh, who are, whom I converse with uh, on a um, you know a relatively uh, frequent basis on on social media um, who practice um, using an evidence based approach. And if you if you do if you are a chiropractic therapist and you use an evidence based approach, um, you're really going to be largely indistinguishable from a physical therapist, right? A, a good physiotherapist who is uh, practicing by the same means, evidence-based. So what the studies, randomized control studies, um, uh, level one, two, and three studies, which tell us um, what kinds of things work and what don't. If, you, if, you, if you're a chiropractor following those, those, um, that information, then you're going to look like a physiotherapy and so, or a physiotherapist. So their primary use is, is what I mentioned with the back. But I also think that although I don't think that their primary training is musculoskeletal care, I could extend them an olive branch and say, yeah, you can do that. But if you're practicing in an evidence-based manner, because I think once you do that, then, you know, if you saw two people, one was a chiro, one was a physio, without them doing spinal manipulation, you wouldn't be able to really tell the difference. So th those are the two contexts in which I um, think that uh, chiropractic care is valuable. And I think that um, uh, in, in Ottawa, we have a um, spinal assessment 
uh, it's a new model that we're working on um, and we're, we're sort of um, piloting here. And that model involves um, chiropractors, physiotherapists, and spine surgeons. I'm not a part of that, um, but I am aware of that, uh, um, that model. And um, what, they, uh, what they're doing, it's, it's a rapid assessment back pain um, uh, clinic. And they're using chiropractors, physiotherapists, and, oh, and also sports medicine physician as the sort of initial phase of intake. Um, and they, they have an assessment team, which is made up of those three, uh, those three types of personnel. And they'll uh, do an assessment on a patient who comes in with uh, back pain. And they uh, see, is this mechanical back pain? Is it neurologic back pain? Is, is it a structural problem? What, what's the etiology? And then they, um, so they help to triage, diagnose, and then um, direct the patient appropriately for care. And um, the, the goal of this program is to get a better handle on uh, back pain and to route the appropriate people to spinal surgeons for, uh, for care. Because most people, and I say this in the comments to my videos, I say it in the videos, uh, People say, oh, you, you're just mad at chiropractors because they're stealing business from you. No, not true. Because me and chiropractors and, and orthopedic surgeons, um, we don't do the same thing. And now, granted, I'm not a spine surgeon, right? Although I have extensive spine training. I am a sports guy now. That's, what, that's my primary focus is, is sports trauma uh, and arthroplasty. Um, but I, I still have the spinal training. Um, but we don't do the same thing, right? Because um, sp spine surgeons are there to address um, not really sp back pain. We're there to address leg pain and lower extremity dysfunction that is a cause that is caused by um, instability, either neurologic or structural instability of the spine. Like uh, people, I, I kind of say to people offhand, um, we don't care about back pain. Like surgeons, we don't. Um, and it's not that we, we don't care about people's pain. We do, but back, but back pain is a subjective thing. And back pain isn't usually caused in the most cases by operable pathology, right? So we, we don't care about that. Um, what we care about is structural neurologic compromise. And, and so, yeah, we're not competing. We don't, we don't do the same business. Um, anyway. Yeah, no, and I want to I want to see if we could sort of wrap this something that you said that, that interested me and, and uh, you know, uh, triggered some thoughts in, in, in the, the pain uh, sphere of things is yes. a lot of a lot of people uh, are experiencing pain, whether it be, you know, back pain uh, or just uh, immobility in general. Um, I mean, that makes sense, given um, how sort of stationary we are as 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 a, as humanity, you know, we're sitting more often. Um, to sort of wrap up the conversation, where would you suggest someone start uh, if I'm having low back pain? Um, and I'm not really sure, you know, I, I hear about uh, surgery, I hear about chiropractors, I hear about physiotherapy. Um, what's your suggestion uh, if someone is, is wanting to alleviate fr uh, themselves from that pain? Mm -hmm. So um, the, 
well, first and foremost, the, the, the best treatment is avoidance. So if you cannot have back pain in the first place, that would be awesome. And, and the way that people, that people can do that is by maintaining good back hygiene. And, and what I mean by that is just maintaining um, the uh, mobility of their, so the flexibility of their spine, um, engaging in movements where they're keeping their spine moving in all ranges uh, and, and keeping it mobile. Um, and then also um, making sure that they maintain the strength of the things that support the spine. So your core, so your abdominals, your low back, um, the muscles on the front of your uh, thighs and the, and the mus muscles on your buttocks and the back of your thighs. Those, by maintaining the strength of all those areas, you can avoid back pain in the first place. But if you do have back pain, then um, the, the first thing that I would say is um, that you should probably just uh, have that assessed. Um, and you can either reach out to a uh, appropriately trained must, um, uh, physio physical therapist who, who has uh, expertise in that, or um, you should reach out to a sports medicine physician or a physiatrist. And, and I say those um, and not a family physician because um, family physicians um, are jacks of all trades and masters of none. And, and it's, this is no slight on family physicians because they got to do, they got to manage a whole whack load of stuff that I'm glad they do it because I have no interest in doing it. Right. But um, when I think back to uh, family physicians that uh, trained with us when I, when I was doing my orthopedic training. So family, family uh, practice is two-year residency, as opposed to orthopedic surgery, which is anywhere from five, six, seven years, depending on what, what kind of specialty you go into and what fellowships you do. So that's two years where they're learning everything about medicine, of which they spent two weeks on orthopedics doing musculoskeletal care. And, and it's funny because the like a significant majority of what complaints people come to their family physician with are musculoskeletal in nature. And yet they do two weeks of training. So no slight on the family physicians, but um, people who go to a family doctor um, expecting that the family doctor is going to have expertise in how to manage back pain, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree because they, they're just not. So my, my first advice, my piece of advice would be to go to a physical therapist first and, and start there because um, they can get, get you moving and potentially get you out of that um, back spasm and start you on the road to treatment. And then after that, if things are not improving, um, and you know, keep in mind that I said most most cases of mechanical back pain would resolve on their own within four to six weeks. So if, if you've given four to six weeks of, of honest, and I say to people, honest treatment, right? So people can't they oh they say, oh, well, what did you do? I went to the chiropractor. How how long did you or, or, or sorry, I went to the um, I went to do physio. Well, what physio? Well, you know, I went once. They gave me some exercises. Okay, that's not honest, man. So like I'm talking, you go in and you go two to three times a week 
Each time you go, they're doing an hour of exercise with you. Plus they give you homework that you're doing on every day. If, if you've given it an honest effort, four to six weeks, and it's not getting better it's not, and it's not improving, then you go to the next step, which is um, seek an appointment with a sports medicine physician who has some knowledge in back pain or a physiatrist, um, which is a sport uh, uh, rehab uh, medicine um, a specialist. And I see those people just because uh, the wait time to see them is going to be less than it is going to be to see an orthopedic surgeon. And um, you, again, you haven't established, we haven't established yet that you have anything that's operable. So go to see them because they can do a little bit more workup uh, and they can see if there's some uh, additional pathology, which is not allowing you to get better. And then if uh, that doesn't work, um, then finally you can uh, seek an appointment with an orthopedic surgeon. Not because I think that you'll necessarily need surgery, but because they're going to have expertise in um, the diagnosis of, of spinal pathology, right? And they can say to you, um, you know, oh, I've done all, we've done the imaging, we've done the investigations, and no, there's not anything wrong with your back. You can go back to the physical therapy and physical therapist, continue to work on it, and they can give you the reassurance that over time things will get better. Um, but if they're on the rare chance that there is a problem, then they'll be able to diagnose it and say, hey, here's a problem. This is what we need to do to fix it. So I, I think by using a stepwise approach, physical therapist, um, you know, uh, um, physical therapist, sports med, uh, slash phys physiatrist, and then finally spinal surgeon, then that's, um, then, then that's a, a reasonable approach. Now, in the event that you um, choose to go to a chiropractor first rather than a physical therapist, the only caveat that I would say is that um, they should be a, ca a, a chiropractor that practices evidence-based um, uh, therapy. Um, and, and they should actually try to convince you that manipulation is not what you need. Uh, and if they start talking about subluxations or anything like that, then you need to shut the door and run out. Uh, or, or if they say, oh, yeah, you need to keep coming back um, for five months, three times a week um, for 85 sessions of whatever and tell them to shut up and get the hell out. Fair enough. There you have it. Um, so that's some great uh, that's some great advice for anybody looking uh, wanting to look into that for themselves. Uh, and this has just been a fantastic conversation uh, about chiropractic care. Uh, again, this was Dr. Chris Rayner. Um, it was such a pleasure to have him on. Um, hopefully, you learned something from this episode, and uh, definitely check out his uh, his content. Like I said, he's on all platforms. Definitely check out his YouTube videos. They're very educational uh, and they're very very funny. Uh, to say the least. Uh, Dr. Rayner, thank you so much for joining us. No worries, man. Again, thank you very much for um, inviting me to speak and for giving me the time to, to talk about this topic. Happy to do it. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Cliss and Fences. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube for clips and updates after the show.